Hey, hi, hello, welcome to the DIY Music Podcast. I'm Lenny, and across from me is Joe. Thank you to everyone who's uh, checked out the podcast so far. It means a lot to us. Don't forget, there's a link in the description on all platforms to send us a message. So if you had a question for us and uh, wanted us to answer it live on the podcast, feel free to follow that link. I want to start this episode by asking you, Joe, have we discussed this topic prior to now? Do you know what we're about to talk about? No, I don't. Okay, with that, can you describe to me the generic band photo? Oh, right. Um, so sort of like abandoned warehouse or forest or train tracks. Um, the band, so if, if it's like, train tracks for instance you have like four members each stood at slightly different irregular intervals close to the camera in like a you know sort of pattern that goes like two in the middle and two sort of out i guess um or in the forest it's just four people stood together with like the hands in the pockets looking either at the camera or like slightly off the camera and looking aloof and what are they wearing joe um jeans like checked shirt if Joe has just described your band's photos, you may want to consider making some new ones, maybe. I want to talk about how to make photos a little bit more interesting, um, because the thing you just described is a lot of band's photos, and I think it's because it's really... If you don't have any ideas for photos, that's what you'll resort to, because it's sort of, well, let's just take a photo of us. Oh, we can't really take it here. Okay, let's go find somewhere that looks nice. So you find a cool looking brick wall or you just go out into the wilderness because it's not your bedroom, I guess. And you just sort of resort to that. So I sort of wanted to spend, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes just talking about potential ideas and things that you could try to make photos more interesting because, good God, I'm sick of seeing four people stood in a line in front of a brick wall or forest. Yeah. Do you recall when we did the photos for your second to last band? I guess we could call it. I do. Dogmatic. Yes, when we used the the powdered paints and we threw them at you at like we did. We did certain patterns and it looked really good. Yeah, so we sort of had two phases with Dogmatic. Um so we had two photo shoots, you know, maybe two years apart. Um with one theme in mind, just one theme, colour scheme because I depict a very specific colour scheme for the band, so we wanted each photo shoot to sort of really hammer home the colour scheme, basically. Um, so we chose green and purple, like complete sort of opposite ends of the spectrum, had a cool vibe. Um, so for the first one that we did with you um, was smoke bombs. Why not? Let's get some green... They are called smoke bombs, aren't they? Um, that's right. What did we use smoke, smoke bombs? I thought it was just powdered paint that we used. No, we covered ourselves in powdered paint and then used smoke grenades oh yeah yeah i remember the back like the background because we did it right we did the thing we went into the wilderness into the forest but you can't see that very well because we had smoke grenades going off in the background so it was cooler than you even remember um so yeah we got some powdered paint and we just sort of threw it at each other so we were just covered oddly enough got that idea from Coldplay of all people they had a photo shoot that was using powdered paint and i was like yep could use that Whoops. Um, so we did that. We got some smoke grenades and we, granted, stood in a line um, in the forest, but but it didn't look like that. It was, we were covered in paint and we had like colored smoke behind us. So we were, Jesus Christ, a bird just flew to my window. <laughs> I just shot my pants. Okay. We were stood in front of smoke grenades and it was all, you know, pink and green going off and we were covered in pink and green and it looked cool. It meant that for photos, it was this sort of, really bright in your face image rather than just three dudes the fact that they were real smoke bombs and you know they had actually they were actually physically there in the picture as opposed mm -hmm. to being like photoshopped in or whatever it lent a bit of sort of authenticity to the photo like people would look at that and think Absolutely. oh they actually did that that's kind of cool yes there's a thing that i learned i want to say actually quite recently with photographs um that is really unintuitive i think and it's the if you you could we could have photoshopped that smoke um we couldn't have photoshopped the powder pen that would have been way too much effort but the 
the smoke bombs going off behind us, we could have photoshopped and we could have made it look arguably better than what it actually looked like. But it being real, it being an actual thing that's happening in the world and is obvious that it's an actual thing that's happening adds a level of charm and like sort of desire to photos. Mm. If you can, if you have the option of doing something kind of well and making it actually real or going down the Photoshop route, do the real one, even if it might not be as perfect and polished and might not look like what Vogue magazine would do or, you know, all that kind of. Yeah. I, I think like, especially for um, like independent artists, there is a certain value that you get from having the real thing being a bit, unpolished because if everything's too polished then you know it doesn't feel authentic like we learned that when we were recording in college and we were trying to make mm. everything like ultra high studio quality yeah um we recently so with the band that i'm currently starting we're planning on launching in the new year we're gonna have a proper photo shoot hopefully but just in case we took a few photos the other day, just in case for whatever reason, photo shoot falls through and we just need any kind of photos. We've got them done now and we didn't want to go anywhere special for it. We didn't want to spend too much effort because at that point it's turning into the photo shoot that we're eventually going to have. So um, we just did it in our rehearsal room. And granted, it's a, it's a room that we rent monthly. It's our room. So it's got all our stuff in it. It's not like a pirate studios as an mm. example it's not like it's, it's our room it's our stuff but we could have to do a photo like that so it's band in studio um we could have gone to like a really fancy nice looking studio and took like a really polished looking photo and i don't think it would have come out as good as us just sort of in our room because i i took the effort to make the photos look nice and we oddly enough I'll talk about this in a little bit, but we used the phone for it, but I tried to make it look as good as I possibly could. I created a lot of depth. I had um, Lucy as the main focus point and you barely could even sort of see us. We were just sort of in the room doing stuff as if it was being lived in. Mm -hmm. I wanted the photo to look candid. I wanted it to look like a photographer was in the room and went, oh, Lucy, Lucy turns around, poses for the photo, photo gets taken. Like it's not fully posed. It's just, oh, turn for this photo. And one member does and, has the photo taken. Mm -hmm. And all that made it seem sort of natural and a little bit charming and like all these things that you wouldn't get by hiring out a big professional studio and posing all like fancy and whatever and photoshopping in this thing over here and doing whatever. It was, they don't look like big professional photos because they aren't. But they do have something about them that's really nice. And the only difference there is that we tried to be a bit more authentic with it. Mm. I guess <laughs> one of quote the... quote you constantly. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess one of the pitfalls that people fall into is they don't really think about it beforehand. They just go, oh, we need some photos doing. Let's go into the woods and take some photos. You know, they don't really think about how the photos are going to mesh with their brand, how to frame the photos so they can be used for different, you know, they can be applied to different formats oh, that's, or whatever. That's a huge thing. Um, actually, like what are you using the photos for? Mm. Because profile picture, cover photo, um, press release, just a general post, all of those things need to look different. I remember when I was doing uh, like press stuff, uh, when we worked at the record level and I was putting press releases together and the amount of time I spent searching through like band social media profiles to find like a nice landscape picture that would work as a press photo took fucking yeah. ages. Like, there was so many bands who have, like, square photos that can't be cropped without them looking shit, and, you know, they just can't be used for that. And the same applies to, like, profile pictures. Like, I think I've seen it quite a few times where a band's had a landscape picture done, uh, you know, where they're all stood in a line, and it's, you know, it's yep. landscape. And when they put it as their profile picture, it crops, like, two of them out. Yeah, or it's taken so wide that on the little tiny circle that's on your screen, you don't, you can't, it's just, some figures in the distance yeah, in yeah. like a greenfield or whatever. Uh. Like it's pointless. It's unusable. That's something we thought about with these photos is I wanted Lucy as the focus point because I know that if we're going to struggle for photos, the one photo that we need, we don't need any others. We only need a profile picture. And on the profile picture, I have very little interest in having all four of our faces on it 
because it's you if we have all four you're going to see none because mm. of how small they're going to have to be so why not have like a nicely framed good photo of lucy in our room with those in the background but it's her because then that becomes the image for the band for the profile picture mm -hmm. which is sort of what we want um this comes there's another thing here that crops up a lot of sort of people not wanting their frontman singer whatever you want to call them as the main focus point of the band and everyone needs equal attention etc 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 which is fair enough i completely stand with people who don't want a singer taking all the attention fine but for a profile picture you can't fit four faces on it yeah like if you have um i've seen it a couple of times a band had a profile picture and there's four of them and you know they're all stood in the middle and when someone's looking at that on their phone and like the little circle you get as your profile picture like you can't see shit mm -hmm. so it's kind can't of pointless shit. absolutely yeah um which is obviously the reason why we chose just lucy so i i don't know what the solution is for people who absolutely don't want that maybe just suck it up i guess i seem to remember that we gave a bit of advice to a band once to have like the logo as the profile picture and then having the press shot as the cover photo that works too um i think less and less nowadays people are seen uh, the cover photos mm. um half because i mean on twitter people aren't clicking through to your profile very often that's just not going to be happening facebook yeah fair enough instagram doesn't even have them tiktok doesn't even have them um is there any other social medias that i'm missing off that's really popular hmm, probably not really um spotify spotify uses both as the same which is a little annoying unless that's changed recently as far as i'm aware it's the same photo for both mm. which is a little annoying that might have changed. I haven't launched my band yet, so I've not actually been on the back end of Spotify for about a year. I would argue that in terms of taking photos, having regular posts that are photos, just, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be along with tech, sort of keep, keeping people up to date with what you're doing, but that helps. Mm. Um, but just having regular content posted, as everyone always sort of says, all these, you know, content gurus and whatever, like you need regular posting, like post three times a week, whatever. If those are just photos, not photos of you specifically doing anything, just photos, that's probably better mm. than like doing the profile picture thing and then not posting anything anywhere else. Yeah. I seem to remember that um when we were you know, when we were working at the label, mm -hmm. there were a few artists that would tend to have like phases in their branding. So say for instance, if they had an EP come out uh, at the start of the year, they would have like six months where they had, um, you know, photos and branding that all fit together with this EP release. And then for the next six months, when like a new single came out, they would have a new photo shoot done that fitted with the branding of the new release. Yeah, I mean, that comes from the the big record label, older stuff, isn't it? It's like you have the album cycle. So the yeah. tour, the merch, the logos all fit around the album. Yeah, so and then just, that repeats. So just because you have like a photo shoot done, you're probably going to need a new one done in like, you know, whenever you decide to either tweak your branding or release more music. Mm -hmm. But I think Absolutely. if you have, say, at the start of the year, a photo shoot done where you take 20 photos, uh, that's not really enough, I don't think. If they're all similar, then it's really not worth it. Mm. I would prefer you to take one photo every month that's sort of different, got different vibes, doing different things, whatever than take 12 photos in one photo shoot that all look roughly the same. Yeah. Um, because they aren't overly usable in new contexts because you can't just post them on social media because it's basically the photo that everyone's already seen. Um, whereas if you took a photo, really liked it, saved your profile picture, cool. Next month you take another photo, you don't need to save your profile picture, but you post it. Same next month, same next month, same next month, same next month. All of a sudden you've got all these cool photos of yours, you've still got the branding that's staying the same so people recognize when you've posted because it's your profile picture. It's always been your profile picture. But you've got stuff coming out all the time. And then, I don't know, you release the big release that you've been working towards and then you reset and the next photo you take becomes your profile picture. And then mm. month after, just post it, just post it, just post it. And, you know, just sort of do the cycle like that. Um, that's probably a little bit less effort too, um, mm. just based on the fact that one photo a month seems easy, easy peasy. Mm. Your issue, as always, is locations. Yeah, like how are you going to make each one look different? What 
Mm-hmm. How are you going to make each one look different and cool at the same time? Because it's all right going to Absolutely. 10 different locations and shooting the photos, but if you know they're all just you stood together looking pensive, then it's going to get boring real fast. I'll give you some time to think because I'm going to throw you on the spot here, but let's quickly list a few ideas that we could do for locations. I've got a few in mind. So, random sort of cafe. I don't know if you're friend works in one or you could get in touch with a local cafe or something something that you don't necessarily need to do a posed photo but you can do sort of like a candid photo so you're all just sort of sat around you know having a drink whatever and each one of you in turn just pull your phone out and just take a photo of one of the band members and just one of them might turn out really nice there might be like a bit of steam coming off the coffee that looks really nice in the thing or the background might look really good from that specific angle all of a sudden you might just have four good photos out in the street just walking just walk somewhere and just occasionally just stop and take a photo can be of specific member can be of the entire band if it's of the entire band you're going to need someone else there with you for it but you know whatever do you have anywhere in your city that has like a bowling alley an arcade a, I don't know, a locally owned cinema, um, a old Georgian theatre that's not overly used anymore. Anything that's just cool, weird, whatever. Um, if the specific vibe of the area doesn't necessarily fit your band, look at the sort of other areas within. Does yeah. it have to be specifically like I think it's prob- the obvious thing? I think it's probably good to try and find a location that has an identity of its own. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise a band going into the woods and do it because that could be anywhere. And you know, the woods, it's a very, it's quite a blank canvas. It applies to many different types mm-hmm. of music. It fits quite a lot of brands, uh, which is probably why a lot of people do it. But if you can find a location that really fits like the right vibe or your branding in some way, mm-hmm. then I would always go for that one. Absolutely. I think that we just, tickled on a subject there and that is themed photo shoots so actually you know do one every four months or so with a proper photographer if you can get it and actually theme it like hardcore theme it like it's autumn so go to a pumpkin field like a you know pumpkin patch whatever where people pick pumpkins it's a lot of peas and take some photos with pumpkins and you know you're all wearing autumnal outfits and whatever and then that becomes your branding and things that you post throughout the sort of period up until bonfire night i guess halloween time um and then have a photo shoot that's maybe a little bit not necessarily winter themed but like as i don't know at that point you go to the bowling alley like that your friend works at or whatever and you have a photo shoot there and then through winter up until your EP comes out, you have all of the photos that you took at the bowling alley and just sort of have eras almost. It's like the eras of your band. Yeah. Like for Dogmatic, we have we had the era where we had the smoke bombs and the um powdered paint. And then that second photo shoot that we did, we did in pitch black with just a bright green light and a bright purple light. So it was just sort of our faces illuminated in the darkness. Um, that's the current branding if you go to dogmatic on anything spotify instagram facebook whatever that's the current branding and that's the sort of the era that led us up to the point that we basically stopped being a band (laughs) if you theme your photos a little bit more it allows you the ability to sort of divide up eras within your band mm. provided like, that obviously you're releasing stuff alongside when um with my last band uh what we did was we had sort of like i guess we would we would have had three eras as the way you're describing it um the branding was the sort of top level branding was consistent throughout you know we had the same logo we had every, every image we posted every video we did it's had a sort of like static distortion to the image uh, and that was consistent it, throughout. More than anything, the branding and sort of vibe that you had with Salamander was sort of found footage. That It reminded yeah. me of sort of like you'd found an old videotape and this was the footage that yeah, was on it. Yeah, like of thing. The, the way we'd shot the, the music videos and everything, you know, with the, the framing mm-hmm. and everything. But um, we released three singles. Um, yeah, we released three singles uh, throughout the course of that band's life. 
the first one had sort of like a red and orange theme because the music video involved fire, which was very fun to shoot, as you'll remember. Um, oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, the second one was green um, because we released it sort of coming into summertime and the... The, sort of the theme, song was called Greener, right? Yeah, the, the theme of the song was a little bit more in that direction and the music video felt a little bit lighter than the previous one did. And then the third one was as we were getting into winter again and we, you know, it went darker again and colder, so we went for like a blue theme. And all of that, I felt, was really... It, it kind of worked... Uh, our plan was for after those three singles to kind of rebrand entirely because, as you could imagine, there's only so much you can do with that kind of theme. There's only so many, you know, there's only so many colors you can exhaust with that branding until it starts to look stale. And because we were changing it like reasonably frequently, we had to keep up that change. Otherwise, if if we suddenly stuck to a color and the same branding, it would start to look stale. Mm, yeah, I get that. Um... Oddly enough, you, in theory, if you'd have changed everything, so, you know, logos, you stopped using all the static distortion stuff and went with a brand new theming, Mm -hmm. that means that that, what you're considering the three eras Mm. that you started with could then be sort of umbrellaed under, like, the static distortion era. Mm. So at that point, you're sort of having sub-eras within the eras. Yeah, yeah. So you're having, like... Well, I mean, that is sort of what happens, isn't it? You have an album cycle, but you also have single one that comes out, single two that comes out, the music video, single three that comes out, and then the album. Yeah. And in theory, each of those little areas where you build into the first single, then you build into the second single, then you build into the music video, all of those sort of need to feel unique in a way because if you've got people in your audience that are there for the entire process they're going to be real bored of whatever it is that you're doing if you're doing all of that for like a year straight Mm. so you've got to keep it interesting you've got to keep it whatever but then as soon as you move on to sort of album two or ep2 whatever the bigger era of that first uh, album or ep will sort of feel like one package one era yeah when you'd actually sort of divided it more more smaller than that. And if you can mark all of that with photos. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any sort of ideas or recommendations for what people could do as unique looks? Because again, it's ah, something see, that's that is... that's the thing. It's every, every in... time we say it, it makes it not overly unique because if everyone goes out and yeah. does it, um, that's the thing is it's so hard to recommend. Um, but here's some things that... Here's some little fragrances of ideas that you could run with look at different lighting look at different ways of having the camera it doesn't have to be straight it doesn't have to like it could be upside down the photos could literally just be upside down um look at different types of outfits there's loads of bands that have done generic photos but wearing cool outfits um look at theming your location but based on an era so you know 60s diner 80s whatever was going on in the 80s with all the, you know, the patterns and textures and all that kind of stuff, like that sort of furniture, antique style, I guess. Um, Look at other things that you can add into an environment that aren't normally there. So like what we did with smoke bombs and we were in a black void with lights on us, like all that sort of stuff is very unnatural. That's not something you ever see out in the wild, but it's stuff you've seen photos all the time. There's a sort of a creative license there. Mm. I guess, like, we say we have, like, um, a set number of things that are considered generic. So, you know, like, forest, field, factory, brick wall, etc. I don't think it's too... I think when a lot of people consider how to be different from these, they're going to try and think of really wild and exotic things to, you know, to be as ungeneric as possible. But I think using those, like, basic locations are fine, just so long as there is something else to it. Like, when you did the one Mm. with the smoke bombs... Uh, you know, it was in a forest, which is, you know, a generic place to do a photo shoot. <laughs> it was three dudes in a, in a forest, yeah. Yeah, um, but there was something added into that location that made it not generic. Yes. Like, you don't have to try so hard to make something true, not generic. True. Like, you can use the, the generic locations, provided there's just something else to the photos. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, um, Josh, who's in my band, but is also in another band, um, they were sort of doing an impromptu photo shoot in the same studio, we share, we share a studio with both bands, and they got um, Joe, 
the bassist who I know from Foreign Friends, who I mentioned last episode. He's a photographer. And he took some photos for them in the same room that I mentioned earlier that we took photos with, like, Lucy's the focal point. And I think this might be a lot of influence from him because he's a photographer. He got really interested in framing. He was laying them out in sort of obscure ways. Like at one point he got them to, you know, do like the the human pyramid thing where like you're on your knees and then you get someone else on your back on their hands and knees and doing that. Um, so he sort of got them doing that for a photo and doing whatever. And their photos, especially because they were edited completely differently and whatever, came out completely differently to our photos. Mm. It was the same location. It was four people. Yeah, at that point. A the- very, very, very small room. At that point, the location kind of becomes secondary then, doesn't it? Yeah. That's sort of my point, though, is what you were going for there with, like, you could just have photos taken in a forest, in a factory, whatever, in front of a brick wall, but do something different to what everyone else is doing. Like, if you can make it so that what's going on in the photo is so much more interesting than just people stood at that location all of a sudden the location doesn't matter anymore. I guess the location is secondary anyway. Like, I, a lot of people use the location as the theme and that's where it becomes generic yes. because a band will go into the woods and they'll be like, oh, they're in the woods and that will be the theme and that's not enough. Yes. Like, the location has to be secondary to you and the subject of the photo. Mm-hmm. There is um, so life that we we went over to South by Southwest with and we did a load of work with their photos are always quite interesting because um, they're quite good at posing. Um, So they will naturally sort of spread themselves out. Like if someone's like, Oh, let's take a photo of you. They will naturally just spread themselves out into like this quite nicely composed sort of thing of um, Mez, the singer will be slightly in front and the others will be scattered behind and whatever. And then they'll all like look off into different ways and Mez will look down the camera and pull sort of like a weird gurney sort of face and it's like it's just sort of become the character of what their photos look like as a band and you they can do that in any location and obviously the location then makes each photo seem unique but they have this sort of look that is them it's sort of like the branding like sticking the logo on everything except it's that composition for everything and that's really cool. That's like something that's categorically them. Mm. But it's so easy to do something like that on your own. Yeah. I guess because like they, they've been doing it for quite a long time, I assume, mm-hmm. it kind of comes naturally to them. Like when someone says photo, they just, you know, they get yeah. into the position without really having to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and it works. It works really, that, really that's well. That's another point as well, is that I think people think about this too much. Like well, we've oh, just spent half an hour talking. Yeah, but about I mean, this. like <laughs> in in the moment, like okay, oh, how are we going to stand? How are we going to do this? Like that, what you've just described is a very natural, candid way of it taking is, a photo. Yeah. It's just oh, we're just going to stand here. This is how yeah. we are. Oddly enough, I think people thinking about it too much makes them not do it. Like if you have to think about sort of how am I going to pose for this and do whatever, you end up doing something very static and stale because you're self-conscious about it yeah whereas if you just take 20 photos just doing slightly different things move your hand for each one move your feet for each one sit down for a bit that's one thing that we did with lucy we were like okay how do we make this interesting so we did some stood up just it looks like i've gone oh lucy and just turned around and we've taken the photo but i I was also like right sit cross-legged on the floor like she occasionally does that when we're writing songs and she just you know sits on the floor for a bit i'm like Mm -hmm. do that and i took photos like that and it would just they, they came out really good and it's just we just ran with it and just did whatever. Like we mm. could have just kept going and going, okay, right now do this or do whatever. Just don't overthink it. Just do some random shit. If it looks bad, no one's ever going to see it. You get to go, we're not using that one. And then no one ever sees it. So just take some risks, do some random shit. Don't overthink it. Just take some photos. So now that sort of gigs are back and, you know, shows are being played once more, uh, I wanted to talk about how can bands spice up their live performance? Um, Because if you don't think about it and you just, you know, play a show, 
um, a lot of bands default to, you know, get on stage, play the songs, go home. And there's things that you can be doing because it's a show, because people have come to see an event. There's things that you could do to make it really, really cool or just more interesting or whatever. And I just wanted to sort of spitball some stuff with you about what can bands do to make their live shows a bit more interesting? I'd spice it up. I seem to remember when when we were in the band, it was a quite a big revolution for us when we started using, you know, wireless leads and we could actually move around on stage and like not so much switch mics because you're like two feet taller than I am, but <laughs> uh, you know, how how we were suddenly able to move around the stage more and interact with each other a little bit. Absolutely. There's always been since that moment a part of my brain that's just like the performance is half of the show. Yeah. Like playing cool music that people are into is gets you halfway there, but actually having a great performance like can improve a show infinitely. Yeah. Like even if you have, um, you know, some members of the crowd that aren't really into the specific type of music you're playing, if you can put on a good show and perform to them, then there's mm-hmm. a chance that it might stick with them. Yes, there is like sometimes this is said and sometimes it's meant to be not a compliment and sometimes it sort of is a compliment. But to say that a band is a good live band can either mean that for some reason they perform the stuff really well, but their recordings are terrible or that they're so good live that there is no way that they're studio stuff could ever match the feeling that you get watching them live because of how good they are live. And I I genuinely think that there's probably some artists, even to me, like artists that I listen to, that I only listen to because I've seen them live, had such a good time that listening to their recorded stuff gives me those memories. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. Whereas if I'd have just heard that music, I'd have been so-so. It'd have been fine. Whatever. Mm. But I've seen them live and they were fantastic. And then my brain is now just, I love this because it's giving me those memories of seeing them live. So it's rather important to be good at performing. But that doesn't mean anything. So what what do you mean? How, how do you perform well? What do you do? You have to kind of look alive, I guess is the most simple way to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's so many bands that will just play and they'll do the bare minimum, you know, they'll get on stage and they'll play and they'll sing and they'll go, thank you very much, follow us on Facebook. And that'll be it. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay. I could have just listened to you yeah. on Spotify. I don't, you know, I could have not done this. Yeah. Shoegaze is called Shoegaze because of people looking at their shoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, granted, I think originally sort of came from the fact that they were very effects heavy and therefore pressing pedals all the time and therefore looking down. Yeah. Whatever. But there are a lot of people who, even if you're tapping loads of pedals, um, still just look down or, or look at what you're playing, which granted some of the time you're going to need to look at what your fingers are doing. So, you know, you know, roughly what you're doing. However, you need to be good enough at playing your own shit that you don't need to be looking at your fretboard all the time so that you can look up, a little bit because even that even a little bit of eye contact and you know bit of a smile are you enjoying yourself because some bands don't look like they are that can make so much of a difference on stage but that's the bare minimum you can take it a little bit further than that move around a little bit use your legs there was a guy that we played with um well no we didn't play with him but we were doing a gig and he was in one of the other bands at college and his sort of stage presence was just rocking from back foot to front foot back foot to front foot back foot to front foot and that was the entire gig was just him just rocking like that I think he was consciously going I need to move because it would be boring if I don't however for whatever reason he was sort of stuck in this stasis of just rock forward rock backwards rock forward rock backwards and didn't do anything for like half an hour that is arguably just as bad as just being stood still because it's like it's nothing it's not natural it's not engaging it's just a dude rocking forward and backwards yeah it's, it's kind of it's kind of I do, I do i do remember that very well um i think it's kind of hard to give people advice on what to do on stage because say if we say mm-hmm. i don't know jump or run around that's not gonna do sue. a leg kick yeah that's not gonna sue every every style of music it's not gonna sue every performer like a lot of people aren't gonna want to do this kind of stuff and a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that Absolutely. we would have done when we were a band is kind of 
outdated now because we were doing shit that pop punk pop pop punk pop. yeah <laughs> that pop punk bands were doing in like the nineties, which is not what people do anymore. Yeah, relatively speaking, there's still some bands that are doing that kind of stuff. But you're right. Um, so it sort of comes with trends, but also a good performance is a good performance. Like a singer running about the place. Granted, you need a big enough stage to do that. Will always be engaging and look cool and whatever. From a singer like Corey Taylor uh, of Slipknot all the way up to like Florence and the Machine, like running about on stage will always look cool and be engaging. The way that you do that will be natural to you. Some people move, like people move in their own little way and that we can't tell you what your way is, but the more that you sort of get comfortable on stage and the more that you get sort of confidence on stage, you know, you'll, you'll sort of move in your own little natural way. Yeah. Like in, in the band I'm starting, um, I, th- I think I might have mentioned this the other week because I went to see Josh's other band. He's very, very, very good at performing on stage and he's got the things that he does and the way, the ways that he moves. And I hope that when we start gigging that that's going to be quite, good to watch i hope that we're going to be a great band to watch hopefully because for once i'm not tied to a mic which i've been looking forward to Mm. so much i can't wait to perform on stage and not be tied to a microphone lucy hasn't gigged before so she's not going to have the world's best stage performance that's fine we're aware of that um we are sort of i guess going to try and compensate for that by me and josh on on the mic we can perform and let Lucy do her thing because she's going to be nervous and Mm. she's going to be you know sort of focusing on not being shit because she's never done it before and you know that's sort of all that's going through your mind and it like first gig is just like don't fuck up don't fuck up Mm. don't fuck up don't fuck up um so yeah we're gonna move around we're gonna dance a bit I don't know it doesn't matter like just do some stuff that makes us feel good because we're enjoying it and that's sort of the basis of stage performance is just are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, look like you have. Can the fun. audience tell you're enjoying yourself? Sorted. Mm. I think the biggest thing, uh, like you know, the biggest hindrance here is obviously confidence. Like it took us a really Absolutely. long time to start actually performing on stage, as opposed mm-hmm. to just like you know standing there. I remember like we were like being there and playing the song. Yeah, we there were... is a big difference as well between being there and playing the song. Yeah, we were well into college before we start. You know, like we we were like three years into our musical lives before yeah, we, semi-regular before, gigging, yeah. yeah before we gained the the confidence to do this kind of stuff like it is yeah. a lot to ask of, especially if you know you're just starting you're just starting to perform for the first time and because no one in the world has performed you know for like the last two years there's a lot of people who are going to feel really nervous about it and mm-hmm. i think the main Absolutely. you know the main fear is am i going to look stupid if i'm running around is, on stage yeah. am i going to look stupid uh, but the answer is, if you can sell it, no. Like, if if you can sell the idea that you are really enjoying performing your music, then no, you're not going to look stupid. Yeah, that is sort of the thing. I've seen videos of, um, I think it's been at like talent shows in America, um, and it's been like a kid that's like, you know, he's playing his music and whatever, and he's like, you can see that he's like, I'm going to do a jump, I'm going to do it, and you can see him sort of building up to it, and then he does these little jumps, you know, like the High School Musical jump with his legs bent behind him yeah. or whatever. And like, like all the crowd of mums cheer and all that kind of stuff. But you can see that he was like fixed on his fretboard, fixed on his fretboard, fixed on his fretboard, jump, fixed on his fretboard, fixed on his fretboard. Mm. And it was, he didn't sell it. It wasn't, this dude's really enjoying himself and therefore he's like having a bit of a dance. Yeah, he jump. felt obligated. It was, to I've jump. seen bands do this, therefore I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, th- this will be a cool thing that people like, as opposed to this show is going really fucking well. I'm really enjoying myself. Woo, jump. Uh, you know, that sort of, that energy that you can sort of bring with it, which you know, comes with confidence, but also comes with actually enjoying yourself. Yeah. Like the more, I think, I think the confidence thing has to come first. Like you have to be confident in, confident in what you're playing. And then once you are confident, you will start enjoying your gigs more than, you know, mm-hmm. you did when you're not confident. And then obviously. from there, you can just sort of, yeah. Like this, this you know, is something that comes with time and it comes naturally. Like eventually you will get to a point after you've gigged for a while and you're, you know, you're happy in your band, you're confident with the music you're performing that, this will become kind of second nature to you. Like you see, you see these bands who have been doing it since they were 18, you know, for like 10 years or whatever, like life, for instance, it comes absolutely naturally to them. They don't have to try. They don't have to talk about 
you know, how they're going to coordinate their stage presence before they go on stage. They just get on stage and do it. They have that mm-hmm. kind of synergy with each other and with their music that they they just kind of let it happen to them. And I yeah, think everyone absolutely. can get to that stage. You've just got to... You've, I feel like you've got to be happy with the music you're performing for a long time, you know, for a reasonably long time before you mm-hmm. achieve that level of synergy with your music. Absolutely. That is, that's one case for gig lots because the more you gig, the more confident you'll get, the more confident in the thing you're playing you'll get. Um, hopefully the more you'll start enjoying your own music because if you start seeing people respond well to it, you're more likely to like it yourself. Um, and then with that, you can, you know, build your confidence, get moving a little bit. And then once you move a little bit, it's a bit easier to move a lot. And then it sort of goes from there. Um, so yeah, that's probably a, when we've talked previously about maybe think about what you want to get out of gigs and then gig accordingly. Mm. If it's get good at performing gig fucking loads and don't care about how many people in the audience there are, because if you can perform really, really well to two people, there's a chance you've made two fans irrelevant of how many people were there. Yeah. Like giving a, giving a really good performance to two people is better than giving a shit performance to 50 people. Yeah. It's also, just as difficult like it's a skill to be able to perform to a minimal amount of people yeah it's probably a skill worth getting good at yeah like when there's not very many people in the crowd you are more more focused on them as individuals and how they are reacting to you and Mm -hmm. yeah i I would say it's harder to perform to less people than to more people like when we when we've when we've done gigs where we perform to like a really good crowd it comes easier because you get more of a reaction you are actually enjoying yourself yeah that is the thing isn't it like (laughs) as soon as you start enjoying yourself this stuff will start to come naturally like if if you're Mm -hmm. playing on a tuesday night to three people you're gonna feel kind of pressured into you know oh my god am i good enough am am i performing to you know the best that i can Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess i guess you need to enjoy yourself and then yeah the rest comes naturally I think this only really works when you actually start this journey. When you start performing on stage a little bit and start getting your confidence up, there's something else you can do that will help. And it's really easy, provided that you are comfortable around your band. This is a whole thing of if you are just playing with semi-strangers or they're friends that you sort of, you know, if you're young, you're still sort of self-conscious around because there's that sort of teenage... Um, judginess and sort of stick that you give each other to keep each other in line in this specific, you know, that sort of teenager thing that you eventually grow out of. But if you can get past all of that, perform a little when you're rehearsing, when you're in the practice room, just not, you know, not all your fucking guitar up on your thing doing like rock horns to the crowd that doesn't exist. None of that shit. But do you enjoy playing your music? Because if you do, like we're saying, you should be sort of getting into it on stage. But the same goes in the practice room. Just move a little, do a little thing, like interact with each other a little bit, because then that will come so much more naturally on stage because you aren't doing it because you're performing. You're doing it because that's what you do when you play together. Yeah, you're not you're not behaving that way on stage because you have to. You're doing it because you want to. Like Yeah, that's how you do the thing. There's... I mention this all the time. I will never not mention it. I love stops in songs. I love when songs go that sort of just silence. And we have things like that in our set. And me and Matt sometimes for some of the songs do a little thing with each other, just like a little acknowledgement of what's going on. And we both sort of accent the stop with our bodies. If that makes sense, we just sort of, you know, jolt ourselves, yeah, like, I, I, physically pause and then get back into it and move around. Yeah, and it I've feels great. Before. Yeah. Cause it feels sick. It's like, it's, it adds to the performance because the, the audience is getting a visual representation of what's actually going on. And it feels good. Makes me, makes me happy. So I'm going to keep doing it. And we do that in rehearsal because it feels good. So I'm going to do it on stage because I'm already doing it. Something to make this a little easier um, is you can sort of tailor what you do to the energy of the song. This, if you're sort of confident with it, should come naturally anyway. But if you have the ability to go out into the audience during, you know, like big heavy sections of the song and like fucking rock out, 
Fucking cool. If you're already out in the audience and then the song gets quiet and soft, sit yourself on the bar and just, you know, sit and play all meekly on the bar. And then the song gets heavy again and you jump off the bar and start moshing. And, you know, you can sort of tailor what you do on stage in your performance to how the songs flow. How does the energy feel? Yeah, I I, I have an example of this here. So, um, Hot Souls, you know them as the... Um, you know, two-piece sort of... Very, I, very good. I yeah. guess modern rock and roll uh, band, right? And they were a guitar guitarist and singer and drummer, and we would nag them forever and ever, you know, you need to get a bassist to feel like your sound or whatever. But when I, when I saw them live, I realized that if they got a bassist, they would kind of lose a little bit of the energy that they had with each other. So what Hot Souls did was they they write songs with the intention of extending certain sections live and because the guitarist is also the singer these when he when they would extend these sections it would give him the ability to go out into the crowd and interact with the crowd more and they did this to such an extent when i saw them uh live once like the ven- the venue where they were playing was underground so he got off the stage walked through the crowd went walked past the bar went up the stairs went out into the street and then brought everyone who was in the street back down it was like fucking I don't know. It was like the Pied Piper, you know, it brought everybody back in. And because they had written a song with that in mind, they were able to do that. And they, they, were, so, they were so in tune with each other that it just it came naturally. They didn't even have to think about it. They didn't say, they didn't say beforehand, okay, we're going to do this bit for exactly two minutes. You know, we're not going to extend it by 10 times. They just did it until it felt right to continue. And that is something that comes with playing together for a really long time mm-hmm. and learning you know, as, as we've said, getting into on, on each other's wavelengths. Just to break that down a little bit, there's like two things going on there that's sort of happening under the radar that you wouldn't notice unless you were really thinking about it. The first is that I assume he was playing with a wireless pack. Yeah. I assume that wasn't a big lead that no. was running. That could happen. That'd be really funny, but whatever. The drummer... At the point where the guitarist leaves the venue to go and get more people, the drummer needs to physically be aware that he's playing along with someone who can't hear him. Mm. So the like, for whatever reason, if you wanted to do this, um, the drummer needs to be aware that he has to play to the guitar. At no point is the guitarist playing to him because he probably can't hear him anymore. So there's just something going on there that if you want to remain tight and remain like the song sounding whole and not like two separate parts that don't go with each other, the drummer has to consciously be playing along with the guitarist, not just playing and hoping the guitarist comes with because he can't hear him. The second is that's what they do when they're playing to two people. We said earlier, learn how to perform to two people because that's hard to do and you need to be good at it because it's going to happen at some point they have made the conscious decision to if there's only two people in the room i'm going outside and i'm bringing more people in which is fucking great yeah that's like so good and he's such a good performer that it works he has the ability while playing the song Roughly, I assume he was just sort of winging the bit while he was <laughs> chatting to people, or come with me, I'm playing a gig, or you know, mm. whatever he was doing. Um, that's so so cool. Um, and that's the sort of thing that if you play enough gigs, you sort of get your own little things. There's a song that Life do, um, where the guitarist sings most of it, so the singer takes his mic stand out into the audience, creates a bit of a circle around him and does backing vocals from the audience, but not into the mic that he's taken with him, just shouts it because the crowd's literally with him, like right next to him. And then for the chorus, they sing it together. So he gets the mic back and sort of performs a bit and then puts the mic back down and he's back in the the middle of the audience. And it's cool. It's really, really cool. And that's just a thing that they do. I'll say most gigs, it's been a few years, they might not even perform that song live anymore. Um, the more you do this sort of stuff, the more you will sort of just get the little interesting quirks that you do live. But you don't have to force it. You don't even have to think about it because the more confident you get, the more naturally these things happen, the better the results are probably going to end up being anyway. To finish on 
<laughs> another anecdote. Um, I started with my last band, Dogmatic. Um, we started playing a cover to finish the set. And it was sort of like a semi-encore. We'd already said bye and finished the set a song earlier. And then we sort of fake finished and actually finished on this cover. Mm. And that came about from, we played Tramlines, I don't know, three, four years ago. And the audience were like, yeah, play another song. And we were like, whoopsie daisies, we've played all of our songs. We can't just repeat another song, especially because the song that people would know we played last. So we can't just play that again. So Ellis from Behind the Drums was like, shall we play the cover? Bearing in mind, I sing for that band and I didn't sing this cover. We were just like, Ellis, you're the drummer. Do you, do you fancy singing a song? And we just, in the rehearsal room, just did it. And it was never intended to be seen by an audience, ever. But people were asking for another song. That's the only one we had. So we did it. And somewhere in my brain, when it was coming up to the solo part that I hadn't learned because we were never meant to play this live. I didn't know the solo to this song. And we it was coming up. Um, so I, my brain went, just play what you normally play, which is just, I, we wing the chords because we're having a good time in the rehearsal room. And at some point I went, okay, I'm going to go out into the crowd. I'm just going to go and perform in the crowd just playing this boring section because what the fuck else am I going to do, you know? Um, so that's what I did. I went out into the crowd and I sort of just thanked everybody for coming. Like I was playing and, you know, rocking out, moving, moving around and whatever, but I was actively making eye contact with people and be like, Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you. For coming. And then move over here and, you know, perform to these lot and do whatever. Ended up really, really well. Um, sort of finished the show really, really nicely. But from that point onwards, we did that in the set. We finished on that song with Ellie singing. I went out into the crowd and thanked everybody. And that came about completely naturally from just us accidentally having to play a song that we wouldn't plan on playing live and then I made a decision to go out into the crowd and then all these sort of dominoes that we didn't stack up ended up becoming part of our performance permanently. We didn't think about it. We didn't force it. We didn't plan it ahead of time. It just happened and we went, that worked. Let's keep doing that. So the more that you just got... You know, the more that you go with the flow, the more that you just naturally let things happen. You might come across things that you do that just work. At some point, the first ever stage jump, High School Musical style, <laughs> happened. And they went, that's fucking cool, I'm doing that again. Let your natural stage performance come out somehow. Like, just let it come naturally. If you want to work on anything work on building your confidence and everything else should come with that. Mm. Okay, cool. That should be a longer episode than what we normally do. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Um, we have completely sort of binned off video for now. So if you, if for whatever reason you were sort of hoping for stuff to come up on YouTube, oh, sorry, um, but <laughs> it's going well audio only. Um, thank you to everybody who has been listening. Um, again, there's a link in the description. If you want to send us a message, um, so that we can answer your question live on the show. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for watching, and we will see you in two weeks. Ish. Ish. Bye. See you later.